Chamber of Hearty Dice Friends. And look, that pictogram over there, where it displays the ancient pharaoh, Grant Howitt, and the dog headed beast god, Christopher Taylor. Hello. <laughs> it speaks. <laughs> Hello, I'm a mummy. <laughs> I'm dead, you know. Mm, hello, everyone. Hello. And welcome. Absolutely, that was a little bit of role play because that's what this podcast's about. It is. Um, we're back. We've been off for a couple of weeks because Chris has been mad, and I've been writing roughly two thousand books. Mm-hmm. Uh, Chris has also been sort of writing the books in a drive-by fashion. <laughs> it's uh, it's it's an on, it's an ongoing challenge. Um, but unfor- but uh, so unfortunately, we had to skip a couple of weeks. But now we're back. We I'm not going to say we're better than ever. We'll see how the episode goes. <laughs> you see how this pans out. Yeah, but it is currently seven twenty-nine in the morning. It is gross. It is absurdly early. Thankfully, uh, the sun's up. But we, uh, Christopher, uh, is having his house disassembled, isn't he? Yeah, somebody is just, just really fucking up the walls. It's been. It's, uh, Chris is having. Chris is, the people who are in Chris's block of flats are doing some sort of renovations, I believe. Yeah. And it has been fascinating whilst whilst on voice chat to him just normally through the week while we do work just to hear occasionally. <laughs> As someone throws a set of stairs down another set of stairs. Yeah, it's it's been an issue because they are doing the wall directly outside my apartment. Mm-hmm. and Drilling drilling into your forehead. Oh, they can absolutely fuck off now. So yes, we have to record at scream o'clock in the morning <laughs> to try and avoid the noise of drills and my ebbing sanity. And then you have to leave for the whole just, day. I have to just go. You have to find a park. But mm, a bench to cry on. Mm. But no more crying on benches today. This is a this is a place of fun and frivolity. Hooray! An island of join us and role play. This is a role playing game podcast. This is uh, we are. If, if if this is your first podcast episode, my apologies, because uh, every, every every episode someone's first, right? And none of this is going to make any sense. <laughs> nope. Uh, we do role playing game advice. We do role-playing game design in a sort of blue sky thinking sort of way. Um, and we're kind of... I like to think of ourselves as lifestyle gurus. <laughs> I'm a fitness coach. Yeah, yeah. Um, do so, a jump. You'll be healthier. <laughs> do a jump. Do another jump. Okay, stop doing jumps for a bit, but then do some jumps later. <laughs> you look tired. Cake? That looks heavy. Pick it up. Now put it down. Brilliant. Did you know, life hack here, if you pick up a lighter thing, it's easier. Okay, okay, class, I want you to look up whatever a burpee is and then do three of them. <laughs> We're going to do sprints. <laughs> I say we. I don't need to, I'm the teacher. I'm clearly do already the teacher do at the peak of my physical fitness. 
My body is a temple. Like the one from Indiana Jones with the giant rolling ball, <laughs> which I presume is my pancreas. <laughs> the gallbladder just chasing me down the hallway. Christopher, yes, could you please. ask me a question, please, and we'll see if we can answer it. I can. This one's from the Discord, and Will mm-hmm. asks, My players have included specific details about their characters' aesthetics. How do I make those game relevant? Well, you should run a better game. <laughs> No, sorry. Sorry, yeah. What I'm saying is you you should use a game which has rules for aesthetics uh, because those are the best games. Uh, However, it's not always possible and most games don't, especially your Dungeons, your Dragons, your Blades, your Darks, your um, Cybers and Punks. And it's it's upsetting because we can't smell our characters and we can't touch them. (laughs) And I want to smell and touch their beautiful clothes. I want to run my hands all over... Their beautiful clothes and huff on their collars. No, what I'm saying is, as humans, we have often we have primarily visual memories and visual imaginations, because uh, that's that's where we can get the biggest info dump through our eyes. Dump through your eyes. <laughs> <laughs> can you tell so, we've just woken up? So, so coffee's not quite kicked in yet. So, um, by by anchoring uh, aesthetic and style and clothes and look to mechanics, it gives you this really valuable way of cementing your characters in the world. One thing I would like to put forward is Ryotama, um, which is not on the cool leather jacket vibro blade end of the spectrum, but no. more has rules for whether your umbrella is cool or dorky. Aww. Right? And that, that for me, is quite important, because that's if, if my character has an embarrassing or unfashionable umbrella... That's a very that that's quite a character choice. Yeah, I quite like that. When I'm when I'm running modern day games, I quite often ask people what their characters are wearing in each given situation. Mm-hmm. Um, especially no 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 no, no, no. slower. <laughs> what are you wearing? No, what wait, hang on, that's the wrong NPC. <laughs> Um, he, just, he he opens his coat and he's got four sets of lingerie. <laughs> just a pair of trousers. Oh, okay. Just inside his jacket. Ah. Yes. When I'm doing, like, especially globetrotting stuff, I will always ask people what they're wearing in given situations. Mm. Because um, if you're doing, let's say, Master of the Arthur set, where you're in all sorts of different climates and, and, and different places all the time. I just wear a pith helmet wherever I go, but go on. <laughs> wow. Well. Shows your colonialist undertones. Wait, but it was, it was, there was a time and place for it, and it was then. <laughs> Even then, I'll argue, probably shouldn't have had them. Actually, yeah, maybe about 70 years earlier was about... Okay, go on. Anyway, um, because it says a lot about how the character is Mm. dealing with the situation, like if you're Mm. in the middle of the Saharan desert Mm -hmm. and somebody goes, I don't know, some trousers and a T-shirt. Idiot, you die. Yeah, that that shows me that that character is kind of not prepared for this. I, I, and, and like, I, I think, and you could lean into it, like, like being, like, oh, I've got like trousers and a t-shirt on, and I've got, I've got a newspaper over my head. Yeah, you could lean into it, and you know, get like a parasol. Yeah, exactly. And also, it gives me a kind of instant framework for how NPCs are going to see them. Mm, like, if yeah. they're if they're wearing the kind of local customs dress, then then the NPCs are going to treat them slightly differently than if they're wearing a t-shirt that says, "I love America." If, if they're wearing what they reckon is the local custom. <laughs> uh, no, that's that's Lederhosen. I mean, national dress, yes. 
but also not really not so, really standard. So you mean it didn't have to drag this outpawn across all those dunes? <laughs> it was very heavy. That would sound pretty cool in the Sahara, wouldn't it, an alpawn? Oh, it'd be a carry. I reckon it probably would. Well, I don't know. Like, Do you need the mountains to sort of bend this? Anyway, it probably would carry. You've got to have bendy sound. You've got to have bendy sound. Uh, but what Will asked for... Mm. Uh, was was mechanics, and so I think what I'd like is uh, I'd like some sort of bolt-on system, which we can which we can sort of just quickly rustle up and okay. throw into any game. My uh, my idea is that you have a you write down the like I guess if if we're using the word aesthetic, I figure we've got there's, there's an element of fabulousness, right? <laughs> okay, I mean I have or, an aesthetic; it's not fabulous. Yeah, but you're not a character in a role-playing game. Fair. If 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 not if not fabulousness, then certainly distinctive. Sure. Then. And so you have a little box on the top of your character sheet where you write down four things, and you have to, you have check boxes next to them. And when when you get to use those, roll two dice and pick the higher. So you can just tick it off, and then and then once you've used all of them, you have to change your outfit. <laughs> this becomes tedious. This is last oh. week's outfit. This. <laughs> and also- also, every game becomes an exercise in trying to use all of your fashion over, like, like as, as quickly, like, on every single combat. Yeah, I strangle him with a scarf. Yeah, I throw a shoe at him. <laughs> and the first yeah. hour every time is just going through what people are wearing. Yeah, I lend him my sunglasses and then I, then I strangle him. I mean, I think the easiest way is just to take, to note down separately what the what the aesthetics that they've included are mm. and kind of tag them with some words. Mm-hmm. Like, this is cool, this is intimidating. Mm. And then, again, use that for NPC reactions. Maybe it's, maybe, maybe I'm getting too, too conceptual with this because what, what aesthetic is, is, is identifying you to a subculture, right? Primarily? Well, it's client, it's client identifiers. Not necessarily. I mean, well, but but like if I if I see someone and they're dressed nice, I'm like, oh, either like they've they've they they belong to a clan, that they they belong to a group which has more money than me, so I'm impressed and I'm I'm subsidiary to them, or I recognise that they're wearing a t-shirt which is a thing on that I like, so obviously they're friend, which is why we're friends. The only reason, yes. The only reason, because you keep wearing t-shirts with things I like on. <laughs> one one of my t-shirts has your game on it. Yes. Yeah. Uh, one of your t-shirts has my face on. You wear that if I'm in a mood. <laughs> well, I've got to sleep in something. Yeah. My point being that it, it like rather than saying rather than saying oh, I've got I've got a really cool long red Vasta stampede coat. There you are. That's, that's how cool I am. Nineteen ninety three. Rather than say I've got a really cool long leather coat, um, you say I'm dressed. I'm I'm dressed like this group, or I'm dressed uh, or like or like, I'm I'm dressed like this, and that's in the manner of this group. And then that would that would give your that would give your GM NPCs to NPCs to push in and, and uh, groups to pepper through the world, so you could meet people who are like you or meet people who don't like you because of the way you're dressed, because of how you carry yourself. Yeah, that kind of works. And also, like you then have the opposite of that, where there's you're actually not part of any group, mm. like you're just wearing a nice jumper, and mm. that means that there aren't that there specifically aren't those groups that you can just slide into. Mm. And that still makes a good story. Until you find a knitting circle. Ah. Uh, Who just uh. dote upon upon your threads. And ignore (laughs) you. Oh, that's lovely. (laughs) Will you have some tea? It's your turn to give me a question now. Yeah. Okay, uh, I've got a challenge. Oh, God. This one. Posted by Baba Half. 
Babahov. Babahov. Babahov says, subsystems. <laughs> Hiya, community. I love subsystems. Iron Swan, progress tracks and stats. Burning Wheel, circles and battles of wits. Dungeon World, defend, fronts, many moves. These are just a few, but what are some of your favourite subsystems and fiddly bits of RPGs? <laughs> fiddly bits. Don't know why I gave Babahov that voice. Babahov. I'm kind of into it, though. Yeah, sounds rad. Uh, so yeah, I fucking hate subsystems, and I thought I'd be interested to see if you could maybe redeem them a bit in my eyes. Um, what do you like subsystem-wise? Oh, so sh- should we explain what subsystems are? Uh, let's explain the subsystem. So most games have a core mechanic. Uh, so the, the easiest one, we'll assume everyone's played Dungeons & Dragons, you have your d20, you roll the d20, you add or subtract some numbers for it, and you're looking to get over a rather arbitrary number decided by the GM. But that is the core mechanic. Uh, and then other things, like, say, for example, uh, spellcasting, sits in a different zone from that. That is, like, those are subsystems. Or, uh, uh, I'm trying to think of a D&D subsystem. I don't think D&D actually technically uses subsystems that often. Armor donning. Well, I mean, that, that still uses the same rules of everything else. Like, so a subsystem would generally have you in a D20 system that's never mentioned a D4 ever. Would be like, cool, yeah. now get 6D4. And yeah, play a mini game, yeah, and that, that will see example. if you hit, or that will tell me how well you eat dinner. Shadowrun, I think, used to. So, so like, Shadowrun's the best example of this in that it doesn't really have a core system. <laughs> like it's uh, so it, it has the core system, and you, you you roll your dice or you roll your pool of dice to see how well your your um, the, the the burst of semi semi automatic fire from your ten millimeter caseless goes. But you have different rules for hacking. You have different rules for magic. Mm-hmm. Like there's astral and there's hacking, and those are those use different mechanics and different rules, and like there's different world which lays over the main one, which is why no one really plays Shadowrun because it's it's a ball lake. The problem is, Grant, that lots of people play Shadowrun. No, they don't. When was the last time you saw someone playing Shadowrun? I mean, I, I look on the internet so quite often. Bollocks! Prove it. No one plays Shadowrun. It's all a lie. I mean, maybe they played. Do, it do you want me to ago. stop the podcast and go and get they've some? Got, they've, they've got blades in the dark now. They've got all the clocks they can eat. I know, I know they have those, but some people, some people will insist on playing Shadowrun. I refuse. I think it's just, it's just three hardcore Germans lying to each other. It's propaganda. Propaganda. Um, yeah. So anyway, subsystems. I don't like them. Uh, this this guy Bobahuff loves them. What do you think, Chris? What's your favourite one? I like subsystems that are bolt on rather than in the core books. Oh, that, like introduced. Yeah. Later. So when you've got something that's entirely different rules set within a game, like um, traveling in one ring Mm. is essentially game part two, Mm -hmm. it kind of annoys me. But when there's a Mm -hmm. separate thing, it really works. Like, do not let us die in this dark night of this terrifyingly (laughs) cold winter because it's chilly and I'm alone. Mm-hmm. Um, I assume that's its full title. I can't remember exactly. It's on my shelf. It went over two pages. It's yeah. so long. Is for any role-playing game, really, if you have to survive a winter in a bad place. Mm. And it's about getting food and, and firewood and keeping the heat up and things like that. And I think that's kind of fun, mm. where it's an aside from the game and not something that you have to use once a session. And it's quite gamey as well. Yeah, it's it's literally a mini game and almost like a one-off, like a one-shot. Mm, mm. Then that that really works for me because it, it's it's a palate cleanser. Yeah, and it like it it models something interestingly mm. in a way which doesn't clash 
with the main system. Yeah, but when you start just mixing in a separate rule set for something, mm. it's so awkward. Like I'm right now, I'm looking at my shelf uh-huh. to just go, ah, which of these have subsystems and. None of them do because I don't buy subsystem games. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, actually, no, I did that back. Shadows of Estran. The Shadow Run of Fantasy. <laughs> really? Yeah. It's like, ah, I see. I see you're casting an arcane spell. You'll need book three. Oh, right. Okay. A divine spell, book eight. Oh, oh, I just remember something, Chris. Yes. Warhammer Fantasy, a role playing game. Yes. Which is entirely constructed of subsystems. Yes, it's got it's got. I I, I don't. There's, sorry, not the current edition because that's just the 100 and, it, and like it works, but it's rather unexciting. But the one before that, which came in a giant box, and you had to build your own um, boldness versus conservatism track. Yes, which yes. you shifted up and down. And you had all the. Di- it's kind. It's kind of a a, a, a forerunner to Genesis, and mm. because it had it had it had all the dice. But yeah, everything was. Like nothing really connected in any way. It was so hard to intuit and understand. Yeah, it was pretty cool though. It looked good. That that is the problem with subsystems. I look back at old like your old Dungeons and Dragons, like back back at like first and second day, and it's like okay, so I've got my I've got my armor class right. I've got my I've got my stats here, and I've got a weapon that does D six damage, and I have a one in six chance of picking a lock. <laughs> Why did you write it like that, Gary? Why Why was that the choice? Why was that the truth? It's just a really weird thing because you've got the D20s, which are which are already um, sorry. So uh, again, th- th- and this is me intuiting this from looking at, at old old sort of adventures and things from a distance. He has mm, from like through binoculars through someone else's window through Gary's window. You had to. It was like it was like D6 based, wasn't it? So you roll the D6, and then if you got a five or a six, you pick the lock. I, I honestly don't remember. <laughs> okay, because you played it. Yeah, but yeah, I was twelve. Yeah. You know? The thing is, you already you already had the D twenty, and it seems like it seems like it's further separating the idea of well, combat's over here, and then everything else is over the other side. Yeah. If we want to transition between, there's a and the screen breaks, and then you go into dun 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 dun, dun, dun Pokemon style. Sorry, I did the wrong noise. There you go. Excellent work. Thank you. It's a bit dramatic for a Psyduck turning up, but still. <laughs> You know he's been removed from the games. Well, he's he's dangerous. He's perfect. I love him. So do I. He's the best. He, d- he doesn't even want to fight. He doesn't know what's going on. I like, see, I, I I'm I'm a huge fan of Abra just because it sleeps under a tree and if you get near it, it teleports away. I love that. That's pretty. Yeah. I mean, I, I can see a lot of I can see a lot of you in that. Thank you. Yeah. And also, I, I, when I'm... he gets older, he gets more arms and that's a racially insensitive mustache and holds mm-hmm. spoons. Spoons again, just like you. Exactly. Yeah, I remember that mustache. <laughs> Ill-advised. The university, the university committee wrote in, <laughs> wrote into our house. It has come to our attention that Chris's pencil-thin mustache is racist against someone. <laughs> We're not sure who. Ask me a question. Men, men, I can't say the name. Menor Infrator asks, "What system scenario, whatever, was your biggest disappointment?" Little Girl Lost. Little Girl Lost. Do you remember Little Girl Lost, Christopher? I, I absolutely do not. Uh, that was uh, it was an East terrorist scenario. Oh yes, Albion's ransom. Albion's ransom. I believe it was the first part of Albion's. Yeah, ransom. it was. Yeah. Now listen, I don't like shitting on other games designers unless they're Monty Cook. <laughs> Who can honestly take it? He, yeah, he's he's fine. On on, on I, 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 
can I just want to clear something up? I have no real strong opinions about Monty Cook over mine. <laughs> no, this has kind of gotten out of hand. <laughs> it's really gotten out of hand, and it's definitely going to lose me work. Yes, absolutely. It's going to lose us money. Mm-hmm. I would like to say that everything I say about Monty Cook is, if he wants to pay me, in good humour. <laughs> no, it's uh-huh. always in good humour, because you're, yeah. you're going to run into him. He's going to, like... We're going to go to Gen Con. I'm going to wake up. He's going to be crouched on my chest. <laughs> Fuck you, Sam, at my cube. <laughs> <laughs> we played a yeah. So I, I I don't like to I don't like to badmouth other people's role playing games because we are we are moderately public figures within the industry. I certainly am. No one knows who Chris is because he's deliberately hidden for the last three years. <laughs> successfully. Uh, yeah, successfully. I don't think there's any pictures of you online. There's two. <laughs> there were three. Yeah, I removed one from the internet entirely. I think that it's 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 bad form. And with that all said, when we were younger, we played a playtest version of an terrorist scenario, and this was so 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 we played the unmodified version, mm-hmm. and it was we had a really bad time with it. And I will say as well, this this so this is back when we, back when we were in university, and like I was. I'd not really written a game before. We were still... I think I'd done, like, Drunken Bear Fighter. Yeah, I think that was it. And no, it might have been third year. I forget. So, like, we were running Zombie. We were running our live-action zombie game. We were sort of, like, poking around the edges of game design. And we were really enjoying Easter Terrorists and Fear Itself. Easter Terrorists is a lovely game. Especially the new edition's great as well, as is Fear Itself. I recommend you pick it up. And we got into the Pelgrain uh, playtesting bracket. And so they would send over the games and we, we would very excitedly play through them and, and, and deliver feedback. And it was kind of, I think it was our us sort of understanding what meant, what went into making up a game. And we got delivered, um, we got delivered the scenario, Little Girl Lost. Uh, and it was just not quite unplayable. It was incredibly easy to solve the entire adventure in the first 15 minutes of play. Do you recall how? Yes. Yes, mm-hmm. I do, because what had happened was a crime. Right. And if what you did was call the police, <laughs> it would actually solve every problem in the entire adventure instantly, I, yeah, with almost no loss of life. I seem to remember, yeah, and like and like calling the police maintained, it, that, that was still a good technique all the way to the end. Mm. And because that was such a good technique, there was a bit at the end of the game where it was like, hey, so... Ask the players which cell phone provider they've gone with, because none of the major cell phone cell phone providers, aside from I think Orange, it was still a thing back in those days, has coverage at the ritual site. Yeah, they specifically called out one provider that did have yeah. coverage, which I've got to presume is them like harking back to a LARP they were at, or just like that's exactly where they live. Yeah. <laughs> and there with orange, you know, in the in the torture dog site. Uh, yeah, it was just there was there was a weird amount of um of of, of minutiae, minutiae details. It was hugely it. unsatisfying. And yes, we finished it by uh, I think I was running it, mm-hmm. and he finished it by calling the cops. Yep. And so and, and so you never went into the um. It was Easter terrorists, so like you're fucking like MI6 grade people running around, and he used to call the cops, and they went and then arrest everyone. He went home. Yeah, like if you can get the problem. The problem was that it was like a rave going on outside. Yeah, and it was thus a fairly good chance that a it was illegal, and b mm-hmm. they had drugs, mm-hmm. which they did. Yeah, 
Made so from if, torture dogs. So if you if you call the police, the police come up in force rather than mm. there being three of you. Mm. Yeah, like, yeah, it solves and, the problem. And I think like it did solve the problem. I, like I get that there's like that's the challenge of any modern day um, game. Is like well, actually, we're going we're going to use the systems in place to solve this problem because we can we can appeal to authority and have them take our side, mm-hmm. and that's not a hugely interesting story. No, it's it's the same way that everyone gets stranded and their cell phones don't work in a horror film. You know, you can't just you can't just call your dad. Dad, dad, he's a slasher killer. <laughs> yeah, he's wearing a mask. Yeah, it's made out of skin. Like the clown came out of the sewers again. No, I know. I said, I know. I said you were going to pick me up at half past seven, but it's really dangerous. Can you pick me up now? Fine, fine. <laughs> that's how dads move. That's 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 how that's how our giant dad moves with a big trombone behind him. Always go squeeze into my car. Oh yeah. And like old dads, he honks the horn before he drives. So what I, about you? I think I'm I'm going to posit a very quick one and then a full one. My first quick one is almost any fantasy RPG. They almost always let me down. Oh, I Shadow the Demon Lord, Thirteenth mm-hmm. Age. What's wrong with hey? Those are good games. No, I know, but they're always they never pan out like I feel they should. That is, they're never quite as good as you need them to be. They're never quite there, and I, I, I like, I don't know how to write that. There's always that honeymoon period, isn't there? Mm. Of, of, oh, that's my characters of new game joy, but mm. no actual fantasy game has managed to capture that the way it's I want core, it to. Has it? And it, it just doesn't feel right. And that's that's the quick one. Like I can't nail it down mm. any more than that. Mm. Uh, but the the large one is it may surprise you because it's masks of Neil the tip. Well, I mean, it surprises me that you'd bring that up because I don't like it. I know you don't like it, but I think it's my biggest disappointment. Go I, on. I I love it because it's dumb and it's yeah. big and it's Cthulhu. <laughs> big dumb Cthulhu. Big Nilo. Oh no! Please don't drive a boat at me. But games of that size and scope so rarely work. There's a fragility to them. And they feel and, so uh, disjointed. An yeah. Um, and especially in games like Cthulhu, where you have a potentially very high mortality rate, mm. trying to maintain continuity through that, and mm. especially in masks, where there's no real system in place to ensure that continuity. I think there's like Why not half make some par- friends? There's like a half paragraph at the beginning of yeah. the book to go like, well, maybe you're part of an organization and maybe you're posting your notes back every five days. Yeah. Like, oh, you mean create a save point? <laughs> I mean, yeah, all right, I'll do that. I'd really like to see a corker through the game which leans into that. Yeah. I'm sure that I'm sure there's been one. Yeah, I mean, like, they... if you want a really good Masters of the style Cthulhu game, play Eternal Lies. The Trail of Cthulhu version by oh. Hanrahan. Oh, I mean, it's got different implications, Eternal Lies. Doesn't yeah, the world it's got... get destroyed in the third act. Yes, but the third act is probably eight months in. Right, okay, yeah. Like the last act is is post-apocalyptic. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, it's short. Yes. <laughs> you know? Yeah, it's like, it's like well, like, do, do you want to move to the Plateau of Lang or die? Like you can complete the fourth act in, like, ten scenes, mm. essentially. Um, but it 
provides a framework for getting in new adventurers if you need to. Mm. It is substantially less lethal than masks. Mm. And it's even though you're you're globe trotting, it's it's always fairly contained when you're there. Mm. And it works really nicely. Whereas masks is like, and now to Australia. <laughs> There's no reason to go to Australia, you idiot. We- we can't afford to go. That's the other thing in, in, in playing masks, is you have to be independently wealthy. Yes. You have it, to be independently wealthy and not at a job. It does assume that you have a so, certain amount of money. Again, like, like, Eternal Lies sets that up at the beginning. Yeah. Like, the woman you're working for when you first meet her, she's in an aircraft hangar in a recreation of a dining room. Oh, nice. Like, there's a plane behind her, and there's a book, there's bookcases, and she's got rugs with a table on it that she's sitting at. Like, Amazing. it's insane wealth mm. that she then directs at you to solve her problem for her. Mm. And, like, she gives you a pilot and a plane. And, like, that's great. That gives you this license to go, we shall go to Shanghai. Whereas in Masks, you're left to your own devices, and one entire section of the book is a joke. What? It's a red herring, yeah. Oh, great. There's nothing there to solve the mystery. Um, And it is the most lethal part of the book for masks. So I I read through... uh, uh, Was it Impossible Landscapes? Yeah. Recently, which is a... a, Please don't don't, don't spoil anything too much, because some of us are going to... No, 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 yeah. No spoilers. No spoilers here. But... um, but uh, wow, the ending! No, there's, there's, it's a, it's, it's a, it's a King Yellow game for Delta Green. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's really, really beautifully written, really cool setups that are all sort of, that are all sort of uh, in, interwoven with one another. And I can definitely recommend, even if you don't play it, reading it. Great. Uh, but basically, in the, in the, in the, in the penultimate scene, in the penultimate act of the game, before you get, before you do the important stuff. You know, it's a king in the yellow game. We can guess where the final act takes place. You've got like a, you've got like a solid fifty percent chance you're crushed by a whale. <laughs> what did I just say about spoilers? <laughs> it's, it's not like a named whale. It's funny. <laughs> no, but he's not. You can see it coming. It's not like oh, I'm not going down this corridor. I know that's where the whale lives. <laughs> I will also put forward that the game is so fucking long that by the time that anyone gets there, they'll have forgotten this podcast. <laughs> it's just, it's just like that's, that's, the, that's the challenge for me. Like in these really long investigative games, having the threat of death seems daft. Like of death, like that quick and that instant. I get it that. It feels, it feels like well, 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 well so I, 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 I'm just going to sit here the rest of the campaign. I want to play. Well, you can play. You just get in a new character. Just play the white. Well, well, I mean, you are in Carcosa at that bit. What? But yeah. Again with the spoilers. It's the King and Yellow. Where do you think you're going? Stoke? Like, there are loads of King and Yellow things where you never go to Carcosa. Bullshit. Every single King and Yellow game ends up in Carcosa. Fight me. I will fight you, but we are right. very far away. All right. Fight me through, fight me through the internet. All right. Turn on, turn on video. All right. <laughs> I'm going to ask you one last question. All right. And it's your birthday. Nick writes in, How do you deal with players who are reluctant to make bold choices for fear of doing it wrong and thus fail to engage with the game? Uh, place your palms down on the desk and scream in their face, you're doing it wrong. Mm, aversion therapy. Mm-hmm. But you, do, you do that every time they don't make a bold choice. That's your fear to play with. (laughs) 
Make them putty. Mould yes. them into something new and strong. Take away their dice. Don't tell them why. Tell them they'll understand eventually. Once you understand, you can keep the dice. Tell them that until they make a decision, you're going to take away their chair, but they still have to sit at the table like everyone else. Now, in, in the military, they got out of stress position. You can squat or you can sit on the floor. No, no, you have to uh, exactly okay. sit like you were sitting, but without the chair. Ah, uh, okay. Yeah, it's a challenge. I've seen I've seen people I've seen people struggle with this, especially new players. Never mind bold choices. Doing anything mm. can be a challenge for them because they simply don't know what the rules allow. So you've got things like I I I, remember I was running a game, uh, a Pathfinder game. And uh, the first enemy I threw at them was a spider swarm, which was a bad idea, but, you know, I was younger. Uh, Sorry, everything I did, I did when I was younger. It's impossible to do it otherwise. Everything pre-20s was a mistake. Hell of a game you're running, Grant. It took place in the future. The uh, but but uh, this uh, one one person was playing, and they'd never played really a, a proper a proper like Pathfinder grade role playing game before. By proper, I mean complicated. And I turned to them and said, "All right, what do you do?" And she was like, "Oh, I don't know. What can I do?" So, oh, anything. What do you want to do? And that was too much. Yeah. Because there are actually you can't do anything. You can't convince the spiders to be friends with you. You can't hover unless you have special mechanics which break the game in, in in those ways. And so there are there's kind of a default set of expectations which you can do. And so that was a that, that that's a challenge to some people. And I think that the like the that that fear grows up over the fear of like oh I don't want to do the wrong thing. I don't I don't want to get I I don't want to make it bad for everyone. Yeah, and especially games like that are like when you're trying to play a very complicated like simulation video game. And you just don't know what the buttons on the keyboard do. Yeah, it's like it's like trying to play Mech Warrior <laughs> without the right controller, <laughs> with a Mega Drive controller. <laughs> that is optimistic. Sorry, sorry, with eight Mega Drive controllers <laughs> taped together into a sphere, one of which has a dolly switch over the C button. <laughs> Love the dolly switches. Uh, it's a, it's a challenge to go over. I think that I think that the the the, the picking on people directly. So picking on people. Picking people directly and saying, hey, what are you doing? Hey, how do you feel about this? Or having an NPC come up to them and go, oh, hello, brave adventurer. It seems like you have an idea. Pray tell. A kiss? Or what have you? Pray tell. Give me a little kiss on my nosy. And then... <laughs> and I should give you like, a shiny coin. I should give you a shiny coin in return for a simple kiss on my nosy posy. Nope. Do you want to fight? Nope. Don't like nosy posy. <laughs> no, it was creepy, wasn't it? It was... No, not, not having that. Um, so that's going on the no list. Okay, well, let me let me just let me just add that to the no list. <laughs> Thank you. I, there are I think there's only two things I can't say so. Far. There are so only two, it. yes, but now we have a list. The challenge being, even if you engage them, engage them directly, you get the the ultimate terror, I presume, for an for an, an unsure person is when they go, uh, I don't know, mm. and that's that's unfortunately quite common. Option and paralysis. Yeah, oh, it never it might just option paralysis, but just like oh, I don't know, I don't do, I don't do anything, and like they refuse your offer, they just sit and 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 make nothing, and you're like, oh, I, c- I couldn't try any harder at this point. Yeah, and like the issue there as the GM is that you feel you still have an obligation to the other people. Yeah, and you can't focus entirely on this person. Like, no, actually, let's 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 sort this mm. when when they are like brimming with ideas, mm. uh, and it's really difficult. My advice to you is to do stuff to their character. 
Please follow my stuff. <laughs> offer, offer coins for nose kisses. No. <laughs> Things like um so like like the monster attacks them or someone runs up and asks them for help. Yeah. Um or the uh or they discover the secret door and that gives them the at least the opportunity gives them the right of first refusal but if like what you're doing in in broad terms is you're making them the offer of hey this world exists go mess with it and they don't know what to do it's too big an offer but like hey the bartender gives you a saucy wink it's a it's a much it's a much smaller offer and gives them the opportunity to engage in safe terms with like like they you have to be obvious yeah like the the key is to hammer them with situations where the stakes are incredibly low. Mm-hmm. You need, like, as you say, like, have the bartender talk to them. Like, there's no way they can screw that up. They're a bartender. Mm. They are a very small part of the adventure. If they're horribly rude to them, they're monstrous to this person. Yeah, there's not going to be violent reprisals. No, it, they're just going to they're going to lose yeah. a friend and a contact and a potential of aven- avenue of information. Mm. They're not going to have you know masked goons coming after them. <laughs> It's fine. No. Um, And the more times that they get into the swing of acting and reacting, Mm. then they'll 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 start doing in other in other areas. Of course, the other way the other way is to just get the rest of your players to do stuff bombastically and quickly. I mean, yeah, I'm not sure that solves the problem. No, but it you know makes the game interesting at last. Yeah, it solves your problem, and and like that's I mean, and that is that is honestly the important thing. (laughs) <laughs> as long as you're happy as long as you're happy Chris yeah it means that I I, I think the challenge is that if, if other people do things quickly and bombastically then it pushes them further into the background and gives them the option to ride and that like that's okay some people some people aren't in role playing games for making big like big bold choices yeah um, but they shouldn't be at my table <laughs> they they should yeah, they, they could go watch TV they could a, p- a passive yeah. experience yeah yeah I just I like, like drink a nice glass of lemonade sit in the garden or just just any kind of fuck off. Yeah. Shall we <laughs> shall we move on to the second part of the show? Let's let's go there, but with a it's jingle. Been, it's been forty five minutes. Yeah, well you should jingle. Okay. Hang on. Let me um stretch this out. Yeah, I can't I can't oh hang on. I'm I'm, I'm gonna spray a jingle in. <laughs> what do you think? It's good. Can you read it? I write it in cool street tag language. It says, Jingle! Did you ever want a game to exist? But not enough to make it yourself. Grant and Chris make games. Part two of the podcast is here. Part two, two of, the of the podcast. Everyone coming and look around. It's the second part of the show. With games Hi. Hi. Well, no, we, we always have to say the thing, don't we? Yeah. McGravin writes in, Fred Burst. The Limp Biscuit frontman is slowly inflating. Help him release the gases building up inside him before he explodes. I feel I should explain where this came from. There was an extremely long thread on our Discord recently. I've just Fred Burst. Fred Durst. I can't think Fred Burst is his name now. I've just Fred Durst based games. This was the this was the best. I think this was the best pun. Yes, this very much won. It's very much just one of those days for Fred Burst. Fred Durst. He uh, he's feeling like a freight train in as much as he is swollen up to an unpleasant size. <laughs> but on the plus side, you can now roll him down hills, which is what he's all about. 
Mmm, he likes that. Now, um, quick cue before b- before we get into this. Is this the sort of gas where he will float around like a balloon? Or is it the sort of gas where he just gets very uncomfortable and dies? Um, either way, it is flammable. Mm-hmm. I didn't answer my question, but thank you. Exactly. Well, I, the either way bit was the answer to your question. I think... I think Whatever's as, best I, for your as game. The game. As the game goes on, he um, he gets more floaty. <laughs> And As then, the gas like, levels then, reach critical, well, like like there's 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 more different kinds of gases within him. So like so like by stage six, he's glowing with neon. <laughs> he's he's full of he's, he's he's full of some sort of gas which which reacts to electricity in that way. So like his bioelectricity is causing his um eyes to glow. He's getting very cold. He's full of freon. Mm. So this is so so Fred Durst with his little red hat is full of gas. Mm-hmm. You got to help him calm down. Now is this at the height of? Is this a past game? We're playing at the height of Limp Bizkit's fame, or are we I, playing it now? Where this is what he's doing. <laughs> I, th- I think we we have to set these at the at the absolute apex of his career. Mm-hmm. Okay, so like we're looking at like two thousand two roughly. Yes, that would fit the size of trousers he wore. Yes, hot dog flavored water. What brand? Uh, sorry, um, chocolate starfish and hot dog flavored water. That was their biggest album. Oh, okay, right. I was, Chris. I was a fan. You were. I mean, I, I liked the biscuit. You've made mistakes. Oh, I have made mistakes. Oh, we didn't have a lot back then. Okay. <laughs> we we had a lot, Grant. We had, we, had to make, we had to make do with what we had. We had Limp Biscuit and Linkin Park. Like, I mean, Wagner was already pretty well established. Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm going to be one of those 15-year-old kids who listens to Wagner. Look, I was already getting beaten up, okay? <laughs> I don't need more ammunition for them to throw at me. Him. Wagner, fuck off. Rather than the Limp Biscuit. So, I, I, listen, I'm scared this isn't actually a game. I'm, I think I just wanted to say Fred Burst. I think, I think it's just important to talk about them occasionally. And the mistakes can, we've made. You can pierce him with a knitting needle and let out all of the delicious juice, uh, gas, some juice, and he'll he'll flap around like a balloon. I I, I think this is this, this is one of those games that falls into the same category as Dread, where <laughs> where you use you use like a separate use, game, but in this case, just feed Fred to his beans. In this case, it's either Kaplunk or Hungry Hungry Hippos. Yes. Yeah, okay. And then, I'm not sure about how the role playing bit goes on, but honestly, I just yeah, mainly I wanted Fred Burst. I think I think you could you could recreate um Dread with um Kaplunk pretty easily. I think that's one for one. Also, hang on, I, I can make you feel better about your liking of Limp Biscuit. Okay. I owned a physical Wheatus album. Dude, they were indie, that's fine. Shit yes, I'm still cool. Oh, not cool. Like they, they they were they were indie pop, but yeah, you're fine with Wheatus. Fantastic. I mean, you owned a physical Jerry Hallowell album. That was a stone cold stunner of an album. Look at me. Dun, 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 dun. Yeah, I actually I remember. don't remember any of the songs now. I, I believe it was, it was the album called Scream If You Want to Go Faster. I believe it was, yeah. Ooh. Strong album. Well, what you got, Chris? What? Fred Burst wasn't it. Fred, Fred Burst was not, was not it. Um, Silent Pete posted this, but in the form of an image, which is really difficult to get across in an audio medium. Just uh, screech it in binary. <laughs> I, I can't get the tone right. I just end up yeah. calling the White House. <laughs> um, ah, not you again. But the text on it was, normal people don't need drugs. That must be true, I suppose. I guess. Yeah. But I like the idea that the not normal people are superheroes. Because of drugs. No. I, I've been re-watching The Boys recently. Okay. season two's coming. 
Uh-huh. And the boys have uh, a serum they inject that gives them superpowers so they can get punished by a superhero and not just fold up like cardboard. Uh-huh. And it got me thinking about a, um, a situation where superpowers are a problem. Like, um, they, they're self-replicating. So you get flight, and then right, within okay. the day you get super strength. Okay, so it's like an infection which builds. Kind of, yeah. Mm-hmm. But, like, after a while, you can't stop going fast when you fly and your strength gets to such a point that you can't just you can't pick anything up because you destroy it right okay so superheroes have to take suppressants and i kind of like that the concept of an of an rpg where you play superheroes like you know one of maybe 50 people worldwide that have got this problem of of superpowers and it's about having to take suppressants to to live a, in quotation marks, normal life. There's something there, isn't it? Because otherwise, any time that you put one foot in front of the other, you move it just below the speed of light. <laughs> otherwise, it, other, you, you, like to turn it down to the flash speeds, you have to you have to take a, a suppressant. Mm. I think that could be quite fun. Mm. Because I've always I've always seen um, superpowers as potentially a problem. Mm. Like it's, it's the, the the control element of them, yeah. Yeah, and also like it's one of those things of absolute power corrupts absolutely. Mm-hmm. When any army in of in quotation marks normal people in the world goes up against you and you just laser eye them in two seconds, mm. you win. Mm-hmm. You just like Superman just wins. Yes, you can't be harmed. Um, I suppose there's, there's kryptonite. Yes, yes, but just generally speaking, Superman wins, mm-hmm. and that's an interesting place to be in narratively. Yes, the, everything um... you do is an auto success, regardless of what it is. <laughs> but what you're rolling is to see is how many people die. Yeah, and the collateral and the problem with it. But when you're playing like a, an almost mundane level game, as it were, and yeah. the roles you're doing aren't to to save the world, mm. they're to safely pick up a cup. That's mm. quite. It, it reminds me of uh, Don't Rest Your Head. Mm. Yeah, actually, In, that had the that had the madness dice, and the question was, it was it, it, it's like the, the the core idea of the of the superpowers in that was like the madder you get, the more tired you get, the more powerful you become, mm-hmm. and you could at any point just grab a whole handful of madness dice and roll them and solve your problem, but everyone's going to die. Yeah, huge and, repercussions. And it was like you 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 had basically limitless power, and it was like uh, the question was if if you're if you're letting someone fuck with you, why? Mm. Because you can. You can not do that, and so it, it it kind of occupied that space, but it had kind of a weird wrapper around it. The like kind of like the Night City and the the, the pun based monsters and stuff didn't didn't quite sit for me. Yeah, they were all pun based, weren't they? They were a bit weird, yeah. But I like the idea of you have absolute power. What are you going to do with that? And mm. like and like, it's not about much much in the same way of like when when you have limited power in a normal role playing game the gm is supposed to find the adventure and find the fun and set you up like with challenges whatever you try to do there'll be challenges yeah. and it's like well i i want to establish i want to establish a world government all right there's challenges and like i think one thing i'd want to avoid is other supers coming up against you yeah i mean that's why i kind of said that there's like maybe 10 of you mm. in existence mm-hmm. um so the the risk of hyper villainy is low mm, mm. Um, and also, like, most of you require these drugs to survive. Yeah. Because, like, good luck trying to eat <laughs> when you're when you're at full superpower. Yeah. And you can't not be firing, you know, lasers that cut the moon in half out of your eyes. Yeah. There's something, I'm not, like, I, I don't know, like, I, I quite like, I quite like street level games. Oh, absolutely. I'm, I'm, yeah, I I'm, I'm into stories. Those. 
I'm into stories like I think like the example I always use is I I, I don't I've never tried to save the world but I've been worried about my mum's safety mm. and like so if so if if I play a game about saving my mum cool I get it yeah I like the, the I, level I, of, I, I the level at which that. getting mugged in an alleyway is still a threat mm. is, is that always for me interesting. Is, there's something there's something more something I can connect to easier there rather than trying to deal with like well okay I, I have to try and I have to try and secure my my superpower suppressant factory from Doctor Bastard, who's who's flown in because because he forgot his dose. So he's so he simply teleported inside a rock and blew up. Yeah, that for me I can't quite get my head around that. I but think we the, the whole point is that you'd be playing the game mostly at at a low level mm. because to, to to do your job like to do your act the way you earn money. Mm. You'd need to be on huge doses of this suppressant, mm-hmm. and therefore essentially not have superpowers. Is your job superheroic, or I is it like temp waitress? You know, waitress. Okay, I feel I feel this is this I feel this is a bit okay. This is quite sensible. This game. This is saying some things about power, mm-hmm. and it might not be the best option for a comedy role playing game podcast. Oh, that's true. So I'd like to put something forward. Okay, no rights in. Andy McNabb's Fab Cab. It's Crazy Taxi meets Splinter Cell. <laughs> He's propped up a leg on each window. <laughs> the only thing you can see is three green lights, which are blindingly bright inside this cab. <laughs> you can see nothing else. Sorry. Oh, no, sorry. Um, Instead of headlights, the cab has uh, three green lights yep. on either side. Either that, or you're just walking through an alleyway, and you can just stay frosty. You can hear the rumble of an engine, Mm. and you're not sure where it's coming from, and then it lands behind you. Splinter Cell, but you are a taxi. (laughs) (laughs) Splinter Cell, but it uses so it it has it has um, crazy taxi in as much as the the laws of physics, which we're looking at. Yeah, when you so I don't know how much Splinter Cell you've played, but. I think I joined the one before Blacklist. I forget which one it was. I remember there being a lot of writing on the walls. Mm, but it's like, like projected writing. Yeah. Um, and then the ones before that, there was the multiplayer one, which was good. Mm-hmm. And then Spiders all the bad lives. ones. Yes, the ones which were the, the ones where they were figuring it out. The the ones that were stealth games, and yeah, thus I couldn't yeah. play them. Yeah. Whereas the ones the, the ones from um, I think Pandora Complex. Pandora, Pandora Tomorrow. Pandora Tomorrow. Pandora's Jewelry Store. Um, the ones from that one onwards had this really neat mechanic where you're hiding and you look at people and you go, him, him, and then that guy over there. And then you push the button and Sam Fisher runs out and executes all of them and then hides. <laughs> while, a, while a load of people you've never met before go, is that Sam Fisher? Is Sam Fisher over there? Fuck Sam Fisher! Holy shit, it's Sam Fisher! Hey, stay frosty. I think I smell Sam Fisher over there. I'm going to go check it out, see if it's Sam Fisher. I'm eating my cigarettes. <laughs> And that, that, they, they did talk about Sam a lot. My point being that it gave you a smart bomb, mm. which meant that you like it was. It was it's like in, in in terms of like what I'm going to call uh, mid stage Ubisoft line of sight management simulators, mm-hmm. which is what Ubisoft are best at. Games about not being seen. That and climbing not, towers. Yeah, yeah, they're pretty good at that. In that you you hid and you looked at the guy and then it was like, well, I can't I can't take out all these guys without being spotted unless I use the special power. So it, it gave you kind of like a cool action cinematic bit that you could run through and do the thing. And you've got you've got that power, except you're driving a car. You can't get out of the car. You have um uh, oh cool I get it I get it. You wake up in the car. You've been tied to the seat. There's a bomb. In the back, you get a phone call from Grimm's Dotted, who's your handler, I believe, and and um, 
as you as you as you drive down the high street, you like this. Uh, all the facts appear on the walls of the streets as you go down. But you've been widened to here by a lunatic killer, and you have to com- you have collect to- a certain amount of fare, or the bomb yeah. will explode. Yes. Now some of the fares are things like uh, ah. I need ah, Mister Fisher. I need you to infiltrate this illegal facility run by the mafia and liberate some materials for me. So there's so there's like stealth missions and fighting and shit. Mm-hmm. Except no guns and you're in a car. So most of the game is it's set up in like like it was blacklist. Was the game I was thinking of. Mm-hmm. Um, most of the game's set up in a blacklist style thing where you're where you're trying to get around like tight urban areas again in a car you've got you've got you've got reverse and forwards you've got handbrake and all those things except when you push the right shoulder button you enter sam fisher mode and you can charge this up by by taking people down by which i mean running them over mm-hmm. uh you push the button you mark up to three targets and then your car somehow gets there and kills them <laughs> I'm just imagining all of this with a silencer screwed onto the exhaust pipe. Absolutely, yeah. Grim's daughter arrives in Act 2 and puts it on for you. <laughs> there you go, Sam. Also, here, here, here's, here's a jug to piss in. <laughs> you look like you've been needing that for two days. Thanks. Just <laughs> the noise I make when I piss. <laughs> That's what I've been doing all these times, when that noise <laughs> went off in the games. The lights! The, light, the lights are a distraction. It's on a dynamo. So you've got... You push the button, and then like the like warden guard would be near a balcony, and you just sort of hurriedly reverse into him from off screen, and, ah, push him off. And you just and then, you just pull up behind him and just open the door into him. Yeah, bam. <laughs> yeah, that sort of thing. Or like or like you sideswipe him, put him in the boot, and the boot closes. <laughs> if you want to interrogate him later, and then then I guess like there'd be a scene where you lean back and point a gun <laughs> at the boot and interrogate him. <laughs> But like, yeah, right, you, start you, talking. you pull the switch on the chair so that it leans all the way back and you're yeah, looking yeah, upside yeah. down. Yeah. I think that's perfect, um, honestly. I like this game a lot. I think there's something quite charming there. Do you have anything else you want to put forward? I don't know. I, I don't know how else you do a car game like that. Oh, no, sorry. Do, do you have any, any other suggestions you want to put forward for, for game titles? Because otherwise I'm going, to, I'm going to recommend that it's Andy McNabb's Fab Cab. I will also say um, Andy McNabb. Uh, did not write Splinter Cell. That was Tom Clancy. He was a he was a very different author. Yes, and he was the big racist. So well, yeah, yes, he was. I like so. Andy McNabb is more rather than being. Um, Andy McNabb was SAS, wasn't he? Something like that. Yeah, yeah. So it just it'd just be a a cab emerging from the desert sands to go and run over a bunch of brown people. Yeah, so which is I think less fun. I don't know how I'd make this a game, but I, I need it to go on audio record because I love yeah, the yeah. joke so much, which is from Devilfish101 or Nick, who did our soundtrack, mm-hmm. just so you know. Yeah. NFLheim, Realm of Mist and Sizable Lads, is such a good joke. So you are a commissioner. Uh, you are uh, you are a commissioner of, of American football, mm-hmm. uh, and you've been, you've been running American football for the Scandinavian leagues. And you've done you've done really well, and you've uh, you've made you've made uh, American football more popular in Scandinavia than ever. Uh, you've revitalised the uh, the sports industry. Uh, loads of kids are getting fit. Everyone's really happy about it. But unfortunately, you were struck down by um a, by a taxi cab. <laughs> just just going to murder somebody else. Yeah. Oh, the irony. And 
you awaken in Asgard. And Thor and uh, Odin and Freya and all the gods are before you. And they're like, hello, welcome. We need you to make need you to make an American football league for the nine worlds. <laughs> Thank you. And then and then you're 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 pitched into into like the Rainbow Bridge or what have you. And you have to organize and orchestrate. Sorry, no, I'm wrong. You don't have to organize that. You have to win. Mm-hmm. Um, you're you're thrown into I don't know fucking uh, it would it would be Al- Alfheim. Well, be Niflheim. Niflheim. Niflheim's the bad place, isn't it? Yeah, Niflheim's all ice and. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. Well, <laughs> look, the joke needs Niflheim, but you've got Helheim, Alfheim, the Shad Svartalfheim. Okay. Which is essentially Dark Elfheim. Svartalf. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. You got, you got, you got a team from each, basically. Valhalla. Is that the one? Yeah, Valhalla's. Is that where you go? Valhalla's your big one with your with your big hall full of drinkies. In which case, you go to Valhalla and they're like, and they're like, oh, I have an idea. Let's play American football against the other realms. Skull. I and mean, so maybe that's to... just what Ragnarok is. Ah. Because the whole point right. of, of Ragnarok, right, is that when you die, you're judged, and then you go to Helheim or Valhalla or what have you. Is that the whole point of Ragnarok? And no, but hang on. Okay. Ragnarok is the name of the final battle yeah. between everybody to decide a winner for something but that's yeah. played on earth yeah it's, it's when um the the the, big, the giant wolves yes yes but that's like the days yeah. leading up to ragnarok right yeah, yeah. ragnarok okay, sure, is the yeah, fight yeah. yeah big fight everything goes wrong what if that fight is just american football that hyper violent american football well obviously yeah, it's gods. Yeah, it's blood bowl. Oh, Chris, I love this because the gods are trying to win, mm-hmm. right? So the gods are there, like, oh yeah, I have, all, I have all the big muscles. I'm German for some reason. Um, gods are there, and they're and and they're 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 like lifting lifting like the stands over their heads, and and all all, all the all the people in the, in the stalls are like woo, and you've got a bunch of permanently drunk Vikings who happen to be really good at fighting, but no skill at American football. <laughs> Who you have to train up into a? I've got to say, fighting force. Absolutely not. No. You have to train them to maybe win at football. A ball handling Dark force. A, what? Sorry. A ball handling force. That's yeah, certainly a way you could have put it. Thank you. Um, against gods, demons, elves, dwarves, dark elves, the giant wolves that eat the sun. Rune all casters. of these guys. Sorry. Runecasters. See. Runecasters. All sorts of stuff going on. Yeah. Six-legged horses. I just. Just the biggest dragon worm. Mm-hmm. A tree? A tree's there. I assume the tree is just the tournament brackets. That's very good, but no, it's playing. Okay. It doesn't move. <laughs> that little shit Ratatoska? Yeah, he's, he's running around. He's Asshole like, squirrel. It's, it's, it's very much like playing a goblin team in, in, in Blood Bowl, in that you have a troll who throws goblins, but you have a tree that a squirrel lives on. And it's just them. It's just them. I I really like the idea of this. I think there's something tremendously fun about it. I think that you've got the like you've got the underdog thing, and you've got a bunch of undying, vigorously alcoholic Vikings from from like fucking 400 AD who you have, you you have to teach the rules of American football to, and then beat giant wolves or or. Splinter cell, but you got a car <laughs> that you cut. You cannot get out of in under any so all the inter like there'd be an interrogation scene, and they've tied your car to a chair. 
So I think it comes down to one question. Okay. Which is easier to get? The license for Crazy Taxi, Splinter Cell and Andy McNabb? Or the NFL? Uh, well, it would be American football. But like, the joke doesn't work unless oh, it's God, NFL. Yes. Yeah, shit. Probably the first one. I think I think it would genuinely be Andy McNabb, Crazy Taxi, and Splendor Cell would be the easy easy license. Could we, could instead we call it Armour Madden, which doesn't quite work as a pun. No, but also Madden is a man's name. No, that's true. So we'd need to get the rights from Madden, John Madden, John fucking oh, Madden. He's he's been dead for years. It's fine. He has an estate. Oh, that's true. I figure they just sort of wheeled him out for each, for each game. <laughs> John Madden says someone with a with a hand, but like like pushed up his spine. I'm John oh. Madden, and I like it when the balls go over. <laughs> Knock them down, boys! <laughs> Run around with the balls. Rough to use the do. towel to wipe your hands. <laughs> Love that they have towels. You know that? Yeah, they need towels. They have little towels because because they they have towels because their trousers are so effective at wicking they can't wipe their hands on them. Yeah, how majestic! What a time to be alive. Our game this week. Is Andy McNabb's Fab Cash Cab? Fab There's Cash no Cab cash in there. Andy McNabb's Fab Cab. Right, that's the one. Which is a <clears throat> taxi you drive around and used to assassinate people. I think also that you can get upgrades like 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 a tryhard Uber driver, so you can get like bottled water and phone chargers and then like smoke bombs and EMPs <laughs> um, and disco scopes. lights. Yeah, scopes, disco lights, laser sights. Um, a drone, which is just a remote control taxi with a little miniature Andy right now. <laughs> but it flies. It flies, yeah. Um, but just, but just, just like for the sake of fairness, you don't fly it more than one inch off the ground. That's our game for this week. Um, yes. We look forward to license it. We're, we're going to be in talks with Ubisoft for a while. Yeah, Andy McNabb, just give it sling him a tenner and probably some cocaine, and he'll be he'll be all right with it. He seems like an opiates man myself, but yeah, okay. I don't know. I, 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 I get the impression Andy, Andy McNabb has a lot to forget. Yes, but also he likes to remember it because it's money. Mm. Oh, I mean, I figured that like, he made those bits up. I think he's just an angry man. Angry man. Like, angry yeah, men like so. cocaine. Cocaine. Uh, a handful, of, a handful of crisp ten pound notes through which to do the cocaine, and maybe buy a little bit more. Mm-hmm. And just, just every Ubisoft game available is Andy McNabb's Fab Cab. Thank you very much for listening. We uh, we hope to release this on consoles in 2021 and then and then on PC in 2025, just to really piss people off. And the tabletop Kickstarter the year after. Yep. Um, it's going to be a print and play game. <laughs> Build a life-size Andy McNabb and cab. You've got a, you've got a papercraft McNabb. Prefab. Andy a, pre- <laughs> a, pre- a prefab McNabb, yeah. Prefab <clears throat> Yes, Chris, we've got to stop. We have. Do the outro. We love you very much. If you love us in a similar way, but in a money sort of way, come along to patreon.com forward slash high dice friends and give us some cash. We've had a few new patrons recently, which is lovely. Hello, you lovely the Discord. Um, it's been it's been a really it's been quite a positive space, the Discord, which has been great of late. It's been quite a hangout. Um, if you like us but don't want to give us money, and I respect that, I don't want to give a lot of people money. Least of all Ubisoft, but here we are. You can you can leave us a review. Uh, which um, I think is still important. Just I, I assume it's still important. I don't know. Just, just whatever you're doing, whatever app you're, you're you're listening to this on, navigate in there. Give us five stars, eh? No one's gonna know. Or ten, if that's a good thing. Uh, the top number. Yeah. Don't, listen, if you're gonna give us less than the maximum number of stars, don't bother. It's fine. Th- thanks for the thought, but actually, we've we've we, we, have we ended didn't up need in... four more. We needed five more. We've ended. <laughs> I like you as a friend. I don't need more friends. <laughs> 
I uh, yeah, that's that's the challenge there, really, isn't it? Like we have we have doomed ourselves. We're anything into a, into a world where an algorithm believes that anything less than the perfect review is bad. And also, seven out of ten, we are really solidly four stars. That's kind. <laughs> that's generous. A lot of people have been reviewing my free one-page games on Drive Street with three stars. And I'm like, oh, I'm sorry. I'll give you back all the money you fucking paid them. <laughs> Anyway, sorry, sorry, I'm not bitter, it's fine. No. We love you, you love us, we're a big happy family. Take care of yourselves, be good to one another, we'll see you next week hopefully, and bye. Bye. Bye.